Welcome to AM Best Audio. As companies increasingly turn their attention to creating social responsibility and environmental social governance initiatives, it's no longer just the Fortune 500 companies who are leading the charge. A fast-growing segment of the insurance industry, managing general agents and managing general underwriters, are also now looking for ways to grow their corporate social responsibility and ESG initiatives in ways that make a difference. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV. Joining me now to talk about that is Craig Poulton, CEO of MGA Poulton Associates, owners of catcoverage.com. Craig, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We've seen larger insurers dedicating more and more resources to ESG and CSR, but they're not the only ones. MGAs and program administrators are making similar commitments to make a difference in their communities and for the environment. What are you seeing across the industry in terms of social good and giving back, particularly in the MGA sector? Well, I think there's certainly a greater awareness of it, which is a good thing, and uh, we'll probably benefit our society in the long run. Um, sometimes uh, we make efforts that, you know, don't pay off and then get discouraged. And uh, I think there's, you know, occasionally that happens. But by and large, from what I from what I see in the MGA space and the folks I know and talk to, uh, there's a there's a real awareness, a desire to to be socially responsible, to take care of the planet, um, to recognize that what we do um, affects the world. And I think one of the things we've gotten past is the idea of I'll wait till somebody else starts. I think we now realize we need to be responsible for our own actions. So I think we're seeing a, a lot of uh efforts that dovetail really well with the operation of an MGA. For example, distance uh working. Uh you know, working from home and not having to fill the air with carbon monoxide that comes out of the uh, exhaust of cars is a contribution, you know, and and so I think in some ways out of necessity, but wonder, one of the golden or the silver linings to the COVID cloud was the uh, the proving, if you will, of distance technology. So it's a, it's a lot more acceptable. It's a lot more doable. It's a lot more uh, profitable, if I can put it that way, to allow folks to work from home and uh, and that contributes to saving uh, emissions and, and to benefiting uh, our, our overall health, whether you believe climate change is man-made or not. Um, the People's health and the overall health of the planet is benefited when we can limit those emissions. So there's, there's a lot of efforts to limit emissions. Uh, one of those efforts uh, is the idea of putting in solar panels, uh, we see a lot more of that. I've talked to a lot of folks who are either putting those in or or have put them in um, and renting space in buildings that are green, uh, having a preference toward that. Um, and uh, uh, training 
you know, just doing things as simple as showing a preference toward training someone who is in your community as opposed to using distance technology to hire someone outside of your community is also uh, being recognized that just because we can work at distance doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to hire folks locally as well. So I, I think I think there's a lot of common sense things that the MGAs are trying to implement. Are those efforts similar to what we're seeing from insurers and larger organizations, or are MGAs and MGUs taking different approaches to grow their social responsibility and ESG initiatives in ways that make a difference? Uh, yeah, I think I think by and large they're you know they're very similar. Um, I don't see a lot of uh, groundbreaking efforts on the part of MGAs, frankly. I think what insurers are doing is uh, really kind of interesting. And sometimes they've done sort of cutting edge type things. Um, and uh, maybe later on, we'll have a minute to talk about some of the things where they I'm particularly impressed with blending insurance, which actually is a social construct, right? I mean, it's a very, it, it's a very social uh, ben benefiting construct. It, you know, we realized a long time ago that it was better to have us all pay for the, the building that burnt down just in case it was ours, <laughs> you know, so. So you know that, that that whole the whole concept of insurance, without going into the rudimentary aspects of it, um, has a social contract associated with it to a great extent. And and I think we're seeing some some fairly innovative things being done by insurers. And MGAs can't do some of them, but do follow along those same lines. But I think the insurers, by and large, are sort of the the first ones in. Um, at least so far, that's been my observation. So what initiatives has Polton Associates undertaken to help the community and the environment and what spurred your interest in giving back? Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, we've always been, uh, we've always tried to give to charities um, uh, since our founding. We, we, we've made an effort to uh, give back and uh we've done that in a number of ways and continue to do that uh, you know one of one of our favorite uh, things to do is to try and and give to a an organization that will create the means to uh uh to have a multiplier effect or to have a knock on effect as as some folks might put it now, what I mean by that is, as an example, I'll just go ahead and mention one. It's called Heifer International. It's an interesting charity that um, buys animals for folks in developing countries. Uh, and so you buy someone a cow and they can sell the milk. If they're, if they're uh, wise, they save some of the money from each milk sale to buy a new cow when this one runs out, right? Or to buy another cow and in, enhance their situation and so forth. They buy goats and chickens, that, you know, chicks actually uh, by the hundreds 
and give those to farm or well to people sometimes they're not even farmers yet but they give them to folks who need them and then they can again sell the eggs they can sell the carcasses when the when the chicken you know gets too old to lay eggs and you know that kind of self-sustaining self-replicating mechanism we really prefer and so for many many years we've been doing that more on an international basis we do some international giving to acute needs uh, um, and endeavoring to try and be uh, uh, completely uh, to, to, to not pay attention to where the money's going. It might be a country that we disagree with the government, but the people are in acute need. And so we you know, we, we give there. So general charitable giving has been something we've done for a long, long time. And we've got a fairly lengthy list of, of, of organizations we've contributed to. The, uh, a, a few years back when, uh, frankly, when the government was making it really attractive to uh, put in solar panels, uh we took a look at our building and said well you know let's do a remodel and while we were in the middle of the remodel we we thought well you know maybe maybe we should put in solar let's try and make the building as green as we can and it happened to be at the time when the government was really the, the state government was incentivizing it the federal government was setting incentivizing it made a huge amount of sense for us to 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 do it so we put up covered parking for all our employees and employee benefit. There's that kind of double whammy effect that we're always looking for. And we put solar on top of all of the covered parking. And then we put solar on top of the building and it was enough solar to offset and actually offset and a little more than offset uh, our carbon footprint as an office. Now we didn't offset all of the driving back and forth that was being done, but we did offset completely the carbon footprint of that office building. And and actually in Utah, when you produce more electricity than you use, it goes to a charitable foundation, which the utility administers, and you essentially buy electricity for folks who who need that. And so that's so we we you know we researched that it seemed good to us, so we jammed in as many solar panels as we could to try and get the charitable part going as well. And uh, it's worked out really wonderfully for us. That thing's been very reliable. It's been a, a great thing. And I think, uh, you know, uh, quite a few of our fellow MGAs have have taken that same sort of approach to, to a lot of things. Um, the The last thing that we're doing, that I, well, the last thing I'll touch on is, again, going back to insurance as a social construct. Uh, probably, you know, 20 years ago or so, when we started in the MGA space, was probably in over 20 years now, time flies when you get as old as I am, but uh, we, uh, you know, when we saw that, in fact, the generally accepted wisdom that the NFIP was selling flood insurance at a subsidized rate, and therefore the the private market couldn't compete, uh, we questioned that based, I won't go into all the details, but based on things we were seeing in the marketplace, 
And we, we started really becoming experts at, at the National Flood Insurance Program, which very few people even today know a whole lot about it. As we got into it deeper and deeper, we saw these wonderfully motivated folks who had really good intentions, but born of political interference and those good intentions being somewhat adulterated by the entity's self-interest, um, they were getting outcomes that were upside down for society. They just weren't good for society. One, one of the big ones that we began. So what we did was we looked at it and said, okay, we can traffic on this information and make some money. Well, let's do that. But beyond that, it was like, people don't understand what's really going on with this particular element of the federal government because it's incentivizing the building of structures where they shouldn't be built. They're, they're sure to be flooded. It's gonna cost the taxpayer money. It's not a, a true insurance mechanism. The rates are too low. They pay repetitive losses over and over again. You know, the kind of the list goes on. We saw all these things that were counterproductive to the public good, but were being allowed to take place by a Congress which has largely ignored its responsibility of oversight. You know, the Congress, yes, controls the purse strings, but they're also supposed to oversee the federal bureaucracies, and they don't do that very well, if at all. Uh, you know, the administration is left to both implement, run, and oversee. And when you've got that much power in one branch of government, the separation of powers doesn't work very well. And, and that's kind of what we point out by our uh, efforts to, to help bring clarity through a little different lens to the National Flood Insurance Program. We feel like we've actually our efforts have actually made a difference. Uh, the NFIP is now engaged in rating the federally funded program much the same way as we've been rating the private product for years and years. And I don't think they would have done that if there hadn't been somebody on the sidelines saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. You know, that's, that's the wrong way to do it. I'll, I'll never forget one time at a flood conference, uh, there was a, uh, a movement to have private flood insurers pay a fee for the use of the maps, the, the NFIP flood zone maps. And uh, I stood up and said, look, we don't use the maps to do our underwriting. The only thing the maps do is force people to buy our product. But, you know, we're not going to pay for you to force people to buy our product. If you want to do that, that's fine, but we shouldn't be made to pay that. I said, the maps make no difference to the way we assess risk, assess risk none. And a, a gentleman from the NFIP came up to me afterward and he was completely befuddled. He said, how can you possibly assess flood risk without taking the maps into account? You know, and And I explained to him that it was about looking at the house or the structure and assessing that on a granular basis. What are the odds of that particular house having a flood as opposed to here's a giant flood zone. Everybody pays the same rate. Please give us your money. 
And I think it started, just, just our conversation, I think, started to make a difference. So what efforts do you have planned for the future? Uh, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, we, can, we, we, we certainly plan to continue along these three major things I've described. Envir well, the, the charitable giving, environmental consciousness, and uh, interacting with the, in particular, the flood insurance world in a socially responsible way and trying to be a voice for positive change. So we're not going to give that up. Um, I, I don't know that we've we've got a clear roadmap, but I do know that there are other places other mechanisms, insurance mechanisms that can be used uh, for the public good. Uh, whether it's health insurance or life insurance or property and casualty insurance, if we, if we can innovate and create products, and we're working on things, I mean, one of the things to, to be very direct in the answer to the question, one of the things we're examining is parametric uh cat cat catastrophe coverage there's a lot of ways to approach that only a few of them actually have been tried thus far by the insurance industry and it's my view and and the view of of the other folks uh, our associates at Pulton Associates that there is a place for parametric that will be tremendously beneficial over the long term. We have to figure out how to blend parametric with the current paradigm uh, effectively and not simply try to replace it in our estimation. So we're going to be we're going to putting some resources behind that and see if we can come up with with maybe a partner reinsurer that you know some of the reinsurers uh, Munich and Swiss in particular, are very, very much uh, focused on trying to innovate and and bring new products uh, for delivery through, uh, you know, multiple uh, delivery channels. But certainly, we hope to be one of those channels through which innovative new products are are brought to market and uh, hopefully adopted widely. Uh, within the the insurance community, I think micro insurance transactions will be another thing that that we look at closely. Those can have tremendous social benefits because there's not as much commitment in the way of dollars to get the coverage at the time a person perceives they may need it. Much much like the old, uh, you know, it's interesting. Years ago. And, and still in some places in the world, you know, there'll be terminals where you can go and buy a travel life insurance policy just before you get on the airplane. <laughs> and and those, those used to be really quite profitable. But uh, since the advent of cell phones and so forth, uh, folks can go on and do a micro transaction, but it's not used as frequently because it, it it's not in front of them saying, hey, what if the airplane goes down, you know? <laughs> And, and so it's a funny thing that that the fact that those things were there in the term in the airport terminals uh, made a kind of a massive difference. So 
but there's there there are other ways uh using geo you know the geocoding of a cell phone for example whether that's a good idea or not for us to share where we are one of the things that happens if we do is we might have something pop up on our screen while we're on the phone call saying goodbye to our our husband and and children or whatever and and we go eh, yeah you know maybe i better buy a, a few thousand of life coverage and it costs very little the period of time it's in force is very small but you add those up and there's a lot of social social benefit you know some if somebody buys a hundred thousand dollar policy and that keeps their their husband and their children from uh being on the welfare rolls there's a social good to that you know that that's a that's a real benefit craig thank you so much for speaking with me today Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. I've enjoyed it as always. As did I. Thank you again. That was Craig Poulton, CEO of Poulton Associates. For AMBAS TV, I'm Lori Chortis. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AMBAS TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.